Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're so glad you've decided to join us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your heart and mind as our pastor, Chip Pendleton, brings us the Word of God. Well, good morning. It's great to see you this morning. Now we know who all the hardy people are in the church. Uh, you've shown up in the midst of the, of the snowstorm. When I was driving here this morning, the radio said, some light rain possible this morning. And I thought, well, maybe they should look out the window instead of reading their copy. But uh, glad that you uh, made it here today. Uh, welcome everyone watching online and on Spectrum Cable as well. We're certainly glad that you're with us. Uh, this morning we're continuing a sermon series that we call fixer upper and it's from the book of nehemiah if you got your bible or your telephone whatever turn over to the book of nehemiah we're going to be in chapter two uh today and uh we're calling the series fixer upper because in nehemiah they were fixing up jerusalem fixing up the wall and uh probably most of you everybody here seen the the show fixer upper at one time or another yeah, most of you have. A lot of people really, uh, that's kind of a, an addiction for them or something. Well, uh, several years ago, uh, Dawn and I were in Waco, Texas with Andrew. Andrew was touring Baylor, and our, uh, the, the uh, admissions person that was showing us around took us to lunch downtown, and you could actually see the silos and everything there. And she told us, well, I was actually a finalist. Uh, our, our house was to be as part of Fixer Upper. And then she told us something that we had no idea that was totally against what you think of in the show. Now, what you think of in the show is you have something like this, this first picture here. Uh, you have this old, decrepit house. They take it and they fix it up and make it something absolutely amazing. And so that's what everybody thinks of as fixer-upper. Of course, that's what they do. They fix up something old and decrepit. But before they do that, the very first segment of the, of the show is they pick a house. And so this next slide here, you know, they have three houses that come up. They look at them. They pick a house that needs to be renovated, and then they fix it up. Well, that's not actually what happens at all. She told us that what actually happens is you have to actually have bought the house before they'll even consider you. So you buy a house, then you have to set aside seventy-five dollars to $100,000 to renovate the house, and then you go into their pool, and they, they narrow it down until they pick three people for finalists, and then they decide which house they're going to actually do. So there's still a lot that goes into it. She said they actually backed out when they became one of the three finalists, but she said they were just afraid they were going to buy this house, they wouldn't be picked, and there was no way that their 75000 was going to renovate it, and they'd be stuck with this house that needed all these repairs, and they didn't know what to do with it, so they just backed out at the very end. But a lot goes in to actually getting started and fixing up the house before they actually do it or get involved in it. Well, last week we looked at the book of Nehemiah over in Nehemiah chapter 1, and the first thing we saw uh, as we talked about getting our lives in a better place with God, getting our lives to where we see the challenges and the problems we have, turning them over to God. And we said there were two things we needed to do. First, we needed to admit that we've got some areas in our life that need improvement. And that's a very hard thing for a lot of people to do, just to admit that there's somewhere in your life that needs improvement. The second thing then is to take that to God. Now, generally what we do is we say, okay, I need this area of improvement. What am I going to do? How am I going to get myself revved up? How am I going to uh, get the dedication uh, to really meet this challenge in my life? But what Nehemiah has saw last week was you see the problem and then you take it to God. That puts it on a whole different level. It's no longer you trying to achieve something. 
It's you trying to look to God for God to help you to achieve to make your life better in this area. So that's what we saw over in Nehemiah chapter 1. We're going to go on now, Nehemiah chapter 2, and we're going to see that even before you actually get to the building, there's still some concrete things that we need to do. And the first thing is this. You need to know exactly what you want to accomplish. You need to know exactly what you want to accomplish. Now, at the end of chapter 1, we're told that Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. That was a very important position. Uh, as a matter of fact, it was a royal position. Uh, you were the one that served the king his food and his drink. Sometimes you actually tasted it ahead of time to see if it might have been poisoned uh, or, or something like that. But this was an influential position because you're right with the king all of the time. And so you're hearing very intimate conversations. Uh, you're hearing plans that are being made throughout the kingdom. And so you had to be a person that was really trustworthy to do that. And Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. With that said, look now to chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Now in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and I gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why is your face so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. So here's Nehemiah. He's serving King Artaxerxes the first. Uh, actually, I think I skipped it, Jim, but I've got a picture a uh, relief of Artaxerxes the uh, first that's right there, and uh, so uh, uh, this was a, a, an old uh, relief of him uh, that's there. He was a powerful ruler in Persia. The next picture we have here is the area that he actually ruled. All of that that's colored in is what Persia ruled at this time. So this is the most powerful man in the entire world. And as Nehemiah is serving him, Nehemiah is very sad. Now, Nehemiah has never been sad in the king's presence before. And so the king says, hey, you seem sad. It goes beyond just being uh, not uh, up today. What's going on? <laughs> Let's continue to read uh, in our scripture passage. Uh, so Nehemiah says, I was very afraid. So the king asked him, what's going on? Nehemiah says he's very afraid. Now, here's the deal. When you're starting to get your life in a better place, when you want to improve an area of your life that isn't where it should be, either personally or spiritually, there's going to be an element of fear involved in it. And the element of fear is always there because we're thinking, can I do it? I've tried before. I've failed in this area. Uh, is this something I can really accomplish? Is it something too great for me? And so there's always a sense of fear whenever you're trying to do something to better yourself in life. It's going to just be natural. It's always going to be there, expected. Nehemiah has that fear, but he meets it anyway. So keep reading, verse 3. But I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? And so Nehemiah just tells him, Jerusalem's burned down, the people are in disgrace, it's made me uh, sick of my heart. Verse 4, the king said to me, what is it that you want? Now here's the question for us today. This is a very perceptive question that Artaxerxes asks Nehemiah here. So what do you want me to do about it? Okay, I see there's a problem, city's burned out, the people are in disgrace. What do you want me to do? What do you want to do about it? That's the ultimate question whenever it comes to an area of your life that you want to improve. Okay, I see uh, maybe I need to lose weight. I need to get closer to God. Uh, I need to read my Bible more. Uh, you know, I, I want to stop cussing, what, whatever. 
There's an area of your life that you want to improve. There's a bit of fear as you go into improving it. But then you have to say, okay, what do I really want to accomplish in this area? There has to be a set goal that you have that you want to accomplish. What are you really trying to achieve? So a very perceptive question there from Artaxerxes to Nehemiah. When I pastor in Owensboro, there was a, a surgeon in the church, Dr. John Sanders. And Dr. John would come by every Tuesday at 10 o'clock. He would come into my office. He would sit down. He'd only stay five to 10 minutes. He would come in every Tuesday, sit down in my office, and he would say, how can I pray for you today? Now, I will tell you this. The first three or four times he did that, I would say, I got nothing, you know. I don't know, you know. And then I would have to start thinking because that's, that's a tough question, isn't it? How can I pray for you? What do you need for me to pray for you about in your life today? And so then I had to start getting myself ready. I had to start examining my life. I had to start looking at things uh, that, that I needed God's intervention, God's help, God's care in. And after a while, it became a very, very meaningful time. But it wasn't easy to ask the question just off the cuff, how can I pray for you? What's going on in your life? What do you want to share today? And that's what Artaxerxes is asking Nehemiah right here. What do you want? So we have to come to a point where we're clear with what we want. Okay, uh, I, I'm, I'm out of shape and I'm overweight. What do I really want to accomplish? What's my goal? I want to lose 20 pounds by summer so I fit into my new bikini or something like that. You know, maybe that's your goal. You know, uh, I've got that new Speedo right now, you know, and, and it's, it's not going to look good. Uh, right now. So you've got to have a very specific goal. What are you trying to accomplish? I want to read the Bible in an entire year. I want to, I want to do that. I want to start getting closer to God. I'm going to get closer to God by every day. I'm going to spend 20 minutes in prayer and Bible study with him. What are you trying to accomplish? What is the actual goal here? What do you want? Now, it's interesting when, when Nehemiah is asked that, He's already got to the answer. He knows the goal, and he knows what he wants to accomplish, and he's able to take that directly to God. So look down again, verse 4. The king said to me, what is it that you want? And I prayed to the God of the heavens, and I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Jerusalem where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. He knew exactly the answer when Nehemiah, when Artaxerxes says, what do you want me to do? He says, send me to Jerusalem. Let me rebuild the city. So he knew exactly what was there. So whatever it is in your life, and last week we talked about, I would encourage you to have a personal goal, some area of your life you want to personally improve, and a spiritual goal, some area of your relationship with God that you want to improve, and then make it very specific. What's the goal? What am I trying to achieve in this particular area of my life? That's exactly what Nehemiah does. He makes it very clear what he wants and what he's trying to accomplish. That brings us to the second thing we see in our scripture passage. After you've done that, after you've set a clear goal and you know what you want to accomplish, the next thing is begin to gather the resources you need to help you. Begin to gather the resources you need to help you. So nothing's happened yet. He's not actually doing anything, but he's clarified what he wants to achieve. And the next thing he's going to do is he's going to begin to gather the resources he needs to accomplish his task. Look down to verse 6. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, How long will your journey take, and when will you get back? 
and it pleased the king to send me to send me so I set a time so not only do you need a go you need to have a way of verifying the go and saying am I am I meeting it what are the what are the ways I'm going to judge whether or not I'm meeting this go what are the things I'm going to use to say yes this goal's been achieved uh, have I lost the 20 pounds I want to lose have I fit in uh, to the bathing suit am I having the devotional time with God every night am I keeping up with my Bible reading you need to have a way of verifying what's there so Artaxerxes set a time how long are you going to be gone when are you going to be back and Nehemiah set those parameters with the king so you have to have a way of evaluating where you are so he set the go and now he set the evaluation I've got this much time and this is what I want to accomplish and I know whether or not I've accomplished it whether and this time is over and I have to go back to the king whether or not it's been done so he set the go and he set the way to evaluate it the next thing he begins to do here is he begins to uh, help set aside the things he needs to accomplish the goal verse 7 I also said to him and here's Nehemiah he's starting to push the envelope here he sees the king is willing to send him and so he keeps pushing it a little bit you ever had your kids just keep pushing you a little bit all the time so that's what Nehemiah kind of does here look at verse 7 I also said to him, you know, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of the trans-Euphrates so that I will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. So the first thing he says is, look, this is a long trip from Susa to Jerusalem. Uh, we're going to be going through a lot of different regions and areas. Will you give me a letter that provides me safe travel and say I'm going on your business? Verse 8. May I also have a letter to Aesop, the keeper of the royal park, that he give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple, for the city wall, and for the residence that, uh, that I will occupy. So the next thing he says is, will you also tell the person in charge of all the royal building to give me all the supplies I need to rebuild the city? So he's really pushing it now. Can I have a letter for safe passage? Can I also have uh, all the materials I'm going to need to rebuild the city so he keeps pushing the envelope there a little bit uh, keep reading on and because the gracious hand of God was with me the king granted all of my requests and so I went to the governors of the trans Euphrates I gave them the king's letter and the king also sent army officers and cavalry with me so wow Here's Nehemiah. He says, okay, I'd like a letter for safe passage, and I'd like everything that I need to help rebuild the city. Give me all the timbers, uh, all the materials I'm going to need to help rebuild. And because he said God was with me, the king also said, okay, I'll do that. I'm also going to send some of the most trusted army officers and an entire unit of cavalry with you. Okay, so that's a pretty good deal, isn't it? That uh, Nehemiah uh, has gotten from the king right here. So what's he doing? He set a goal. He knows exactly what he wants to accomplish. I want to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, a very specific goal. Then he has a way to evaluate it. I've got X amount of time to do it, and then I've got to be back with the king. So he's got his goal. He's got his evaluation. The next thing he does is he starts gathering the resources. What am I going to need to get this to happen? I'm going to need safe passage letters. I'm going to need the material and the timber uh, and the tools to help rebuild it. And so he starts putting all of that together. Whatever the two goals you set, your personal and your spiritual goal, what are you going to need to help accomplish it? I want to start getting in better shape. 
Well, maybe you start not with running, but with buying a pair of running shoes. For some of you, a good pair of slow walking shoes uh, might, might be even better. But you need to begin together what you need, okay? I want to spend uh, uh, time with God every, every night. Maybe what you need to do is buy a, a, a journal to start keeping track of those times with God and writing that stuff down. But you begin to gather the resources that you need. I need to get a, a food app where I'm going to record everything that I'm eating. Uh, so before you ever start, there's things that you have to do to prepare to get ready. So you set the goal, set the way of evaluating it. You begin to gather the resources that you need to help you in that particular area. And that's exactly what Nehemiah does. The third thing that Nehemiah does is that before he ever gets started, I know the goal, but then he makes an, a real honest evaluation of the current situation. What's the current situation in a, in a real honest, brutal way? Where's the situation right now? Uh, so look on down to verse 11. Verse 11 of our scripture passage. I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what God had put in my heart to do in Jerusalem. There were no, no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night, I went through the valley gate toward the jackal, the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. I moved on towards the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to even get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and reentered the valley gate. The officials didn't know where I'd gone or what I was doing. As yet, I'd said nothing to them or to the priests or nobles or officials or any others what I was doing. And then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins. The gates have been burned with fire. So the next thing he does is he makes a very honest evaluation of the current situation. Okay, here's the goal, but what's really the current situation if I'm going to meet the goal? So that's the next thing we have to ask. Okay, how do I brutally, honestly evaluate where I am right now? And so you have to start looking at it and wondering. Now, we've said before, when it comes to that honest evaluation, last week we were talking about it, often you have to start with yourself. You have to say, what have I done to help cause this situation? Uh, because most of the time, and there's areas in our life where it's not our fault. You know, we may have a health issue. Uh, there may be something else that have happened. But most of the time, the situations that we are in are because of us. We're the ones that cause the situation. Here's a perfect example of like that. You finally confront the person responsible for the sin in your life, and it's you. You're the one that's caused it. Why am I overweight and out of shape um i eat too much and i don't exercise okay that's a pretty honest evaluation most of us don't say it that way it's the grocery store's fault if they didn't have all of that food i wouldn't be eating it it's their fault you know it's it's the it's the fast foods part they even got a drive through tempting me when i go in several years ago about 12 years ago i had a heart attack and Andrew was playing basketball then for South Odom High School. And uh, after my heart attack, is like three, four weeks later, I was rushing to one of Andrew's games. Everybody was already there. I hadn't had supper. And so I went through a drive-thru at Kentucky Fried Chicken. 
And I went through, and they had those little $5 meal deals with the, like the chicken tenders and the, and the potato things, you know, and all that. And I said, just give me one of those $5 meal deals. And they said, okay. And so I pull up to get it, and the girl comes to the window. She was the sister to one of the players on the basketball team. And she said, Mr. Pendleton, you've just had a heart attack. You can't be eating fried food like that. And she literally takes it back out of my hand, sets it down, and says, I need the broiled chicken uh, right, right now. And I'm going, what are you doing here? You're taking my chicken right out of my hand. But she was helping me confront the fact that part of the problem with all this was me. I'm the one that was causing all of these issues that was there. So at some point, you've got to make a brutal, honest evaluation of how you got in the situation anyway. Why am I not having a regular time with God each and every day? I'll tell you why, because I've never set it as a priority. I don't see it as important, and I'd rather do what I want to do and watch TV at night. That's an honest evaluation of how you got in the situation. Honest evaluations are not always easy. Here's another example of what I'm talking about right here. If you ever feel sad, just go for a run because then you'll realize your physical health is a lot worse than your mental health. Okay, so, so right there. So, you know, that's just, just an example of what I'm talking about right there. Make an honest evaluation of where you're at. So where have we seen right now? We've seen that Nehemiah clearly sets a goal. He sets a way of evaluating the goal. He begins to gather the resources to meet the goal, and then he makes an honest evaluation of the situation. Until you do that, you're not going to be able to move past it to get going. And that brings us to the last thing that we see. We have to have the courage to begin to move forward. Now you've got to do something. Have the courage to begin to move forward. We're looking down to verse 17 of our scripture passage. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins. The gates have been burned with fire. Let's rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of God that had been upon me and what the king had said to me. And they replied, let's start rebuilding. And so they began the good work. But when Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you were doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? And I answered them by saying, the God of heaven is going to give us success. We are his servants and we will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. So here's Nehemiah. Nehemiah then tells the people, look, the walls torn down, we're in disgrace. I've got a plan. I've got goals. I've got resources. Let's start rebuilding. The people are very excited. Let's get started. At this point, Nehemiah has done nothing. He has done nothing to actually rebuild the wall. No stone has been picked up. Nothing has been done away with. And yet this stuff was essential for him to get going. And what was essential is you have to do a lot of preparation if you ever get started. What are you trying to achieve? How are you going to do it? How are you going to get there? Do you have the resources to do it? All of that had to be done in advance. Uh, last year, uh, last fall, Dawn and I went uh, on a trip to Punta Cana. And when we were trying to plan it, uh, we'd never used Costco travel before. And so we decided, hey, we know, we'll try Costco travel. It's actually really good, man. Everything's, you know, they do your flights and your, and your transfers and hotel and everything. It was, it was really a good experience. But before we ever got to Punta Cana, we had a great experience in Punta Cana. Here's, 
here's Dawn, we're having lunch on the beach right there in, in Punta Cana. Uh, we, I wanted a real nice picture there, so I made sure I wasn't in it when we, when we got there. Uh, but we had a great time in Punta Cana, made some really good friends. Uh, here's a friend I met in Punta Cana right there. And we became very, very close. Uh, he's got his own boat. Uh, he's invited me out on it once sometime, so uh, uh, we may be doing that with him sometime in the future. But before we ever got to Punta Cana, there was a lot that needed to be done. Even though Costco handled everything, I still had to sit down, decide when we were going to go, where we were going to go, where we were going to stay. I had to register it with, Con- with Costco, and then Costco expected me to pay for it. So then I had to, had to pay for it and all that kind of nonsense. And then you're, there was still a lot to do. We had to get the luggage out. We had to start packing the luggage. And Dawn's got kind of an unusual way of packing. She does this every trip. She'll get her suitcase out like 10 days ahead of time and say, I want to be totally packed before we ever leave. And then the, like 3 o'clock in the morning before we leave, she's still packing or something you know, that, that's in there. And I'm going, look, we got to leave in an hour, and you're still throwing things in the suitcase here or something. But there was still a whole lot to do before we ever left and got to enjoy the trip. What we've seen the last two weeks is that there's still a lot to do before you actually get to meeting the challenge that is before you. And we've seen in the last two weeks what Nehemiah did to do that. And today it's real important. Make it clear what you're trying to accomplish. If you don't have a clear goal, you're not going to accomplish it. After you've had the clear goal, what are the way you're going to evaluate it? What's the evaluation of the goal? How are you going to know whether or not it's successful or not? If your evaluation is murky, you're not, probably not going to achieve it very well. Third, begin to gather those resources that you need. Make an honest evaluation of where you're at, and then trust it to God. Now, we're going to see next week that there's a lot of opposition from other people. We've already seen it pointed out a couple of times uh, today to the rebuilding of the wall. But it's really interesting the way Nehemiah ends in verse 20. I answered them by saying, the God of heaven is the one who's going to give us success. You may have been on a journey in a particular area of your life for a long time. Man, I've been trying to lose weight forever. I, I've, I've had this time of trying to do devotions with God off and on, and it just never works. And maybe it's because we've always started at the long, wrong point. Last week and this week, both, we've seen that Nehemiah says the place to start is with God. It's by taking it to God and saying, I want your help and I want your involvement in me meeting this goal. And when you do that, it makes all the difference in the world. Next week, we'll be over Nehemiah chapter 3, and we'll see they actually begin the rebuilding of the wall. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for this time. Uh, We just pray as we look forward that you'll help us, Father, to look at the challenges in our life and to trust you, uh, not our own power or our own dedication to meet those challenges. And, uh, Father, to do that seriously. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, keyword mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening, and join us next week for another message from God's Word.